Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to Gotham Beige Podcast. Podcast. Another fun. So we have a bunch of new listeners, so I think we should reintroduce ourselves. So this is Mel. No, just go back to episode one. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always the one laughing very loud. So this I'm Mel. I'm Belle, but you know what? I listen to our show and I can't tell the difference sometimes. I'm like, I know. Did I say so that I just, or did, did, did Mel say that? Because I have no idea who just said that. Usually if it's something stupid and goofy, it's probably me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing. Yeah, for sure. That's probably. So it's, yes, it is the truth. It's episode 79. So it is serial killer. Good year. That I'm covering. Yeah. I mean, every, I every episode I say it was a good year. Uh, yeah, you do. Uh, Charlie. Charlie he's had any tension like I walked through the door took him out to pee and you text me and I'm like okay I gotta pee and then here I am I know I'm actually ready to record on time this week because it's your story (laughs) it is my story (laughs) because usually I'm like I'm not ready yet so I have a correction from last week that Jeff corrected me on (laughs) Um, so on the tail of the dragon, I think it's, there's like 333, 322, there's only 318 curves in 11 miles. Oh. I have put too many curves. What did He's you like, say? I don't even remember I what I said, you like, said. I think I said like 322 or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, he's like, no, there's only 318 curves. I'm like, I'll correct myself. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. That so was, that's like me when I realized when I was listening, I realized I said the names wrong. I was like, I'm going to have to correct. And it. I didn't even catch it. So, and I, I mean, I always listen to our podcast afterwards and I didn't even catch it. So, yeah. So how's your week been? Um, it's been, uh, good. It's been, it's been, um, yeah, we, my gosh, I'm trying to think of what's happened since the last time that we talked. That was, we talked last Thursday, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, we text back and forth, but I mean, yeah. So we took, I mean, we took Caitlin home. So Robert's daughter, we took her home back to Texarkana. So that was a six and a half, six and a half hour drive there. And then a six and a half hour drive back, which it wasn't really that bad though. Um, there's just nothing to fucking do there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, there's just nothing. Thought it was a, a bitch and good time. It's always a bitch and good time, but um, and I miss my dog. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm like, we didn't take, we <laughs> so didn't did Jasper, so Jasper stayed with Isabel? Yeah, he, yeah, he stayed. Um, so and then this week, uh, Isabel's girlfriend's visiting, so yes. I got to meet them for the first time, and their mom and their cousin. Oh, she's there now. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I told them that we have a podcast and, and so they're excited to, to listen, but no, they're, well, hi. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're super cool. I, I was so nervous. I was nervous. I was so Robert and I went, it was so funny because on, um, Tuesday is what I post on Facebook. I'm like day drinking. Why? Because it's Tuesday in New Orleans. <laughs> Why else? Um, but he was like, you want to go do some day drinking? I'm like, Okay, sure. Not, Why not? Sure, but fuck yeah, let's sure. go. So you know, we, we walk out and we walk, you know, the whole 20 steps to the bar next door. <laughs> <laughs> the secret bar? Yeah, the secret bar. I can't tell no one about. Um, so we had some drinks there and then, you know, it, it, I was, we were there like six hours, like drinking like six hours. Well, we went from there to another bar, the other bar down the road that we like a lot. Mm. Um, and then they got into town early because they drove from California. 
They drove? Drove. Wait, they drove from fucking California all mm-hmm. the way to New Orleans? To New Orleans, drove. Oh, Jesus, like five days? <laughs> like, that's a no, long trip. No, like, like two days. I mean, it was, oh. I was really surprised at how good of time they made because I wasn't expecting them until today, actually. And they actually came in yesterday. Um, but yeah, they made really, really good time. But I was, I was nervous because I'm like, oh my gosh, what if, you know, they... I'm, they think I'm fruitcake or I'm weird. And so I was like, oh, but no, oh, they're really, I, really, really cool. But yeah. I, like I gave all the full disclosures. I'm like, full yeah. disclosure. I like to offend people's sensibilities. <laughs> um, I'm pansexual. So I hit on everybody. <laughs> and by the way, your boobs look great. <laughs> <laughs> but we're no, weird. Like, just embrace the we're weird. Just weird. Everyone, yeah. And like they're asking about like ghost stuff and you know, I told them about Zach and Addie's apartment. I'm like, oh yeah, we covered it on our show. And no, it was good. I like them a lot. It's really we are the weirdos, Mr. Yeah. And it's really (laughs) great to see my child happy. That's the most that's the ultimate joy. Yeah. So they're gonna stay here um a little bit longer, like so her mom goes back. I think they go back on Saturday morning, and Mm then Nora's gonna uh, it's going to stay here a little bit longer. Um, so yeah, she, she's going to fly back. Uh, yeah. Eventually might even stay like through us driving back to Dallas for July 4th to meet everyone there. And I thought then, you were about to say drive to California. I was like, you are not fucking driving to California. No. And that's what I told, I told Isabel, I'm like, if you want to visit, you will fly. I'm not driving your ass. Uh-uh. Yeah. That was, but I think they wanted to come visit too. So you got to, you know, visit New Orleans. They'd never been here. So, well, that's yeah. cool. Well, awesome. That's yeah. exciting. I'm glad oh, that she's I, happy. I want to tell you, I want to tell you a story. Here's my story time. Story ready? time with Belle. <coughs> me, me, me. Let me take a little drink. <laughs> Let her clear her throat. Mm. So uh, one thing I didn't tell you is that we, we did a, um, whenever, Everyone was here, Austin, April, Caitlin. So son-in-law, uh-huh. daughter-in-law and um, st- um, I, I'm listening. I'm yes. going to shut this door so we can't hear Charlie. Barking. Okay, good. That sounds good. Um, we decided we were walking up Royal street and I'm like, oh, there's the Tanner gallery. I want to show you guys. This is my favorite gallery in right. all of New Orleans. It's mine and Cheyenne's favorite gallery. I want to, you've got to see this come in. Let me show you everything. So we go in and the gallery director's there, Lindsay. And I'm like, hi. And she's like, oh, hey. I said, I don't know if you remember me or not, but my husband and I were here and we came in in October of last year. Right. And we bought number one of Voodoo. She's like, oh yeah, no, I thought I, you looked familiar. I just didn't recognize you because you didn't have the mask on and you had different eye makeup. I was like, oh yeah yeah she's like oh it's so great and you know I told her well we you know we were talking about moving here we did it we're here we're moving she's like oh that's so awesome fantastic and so she looked at all the kids was like have y'all ever been here before and they're like no so she said let me show you around so she like did a little tour of the gallery wow that's awesome took us into like the back room where um you can do a lighting display she shuts the door and she does different lighting displays on the different um pieces of art yeah, so it was really, really cool to, to like go back in there and her remember us and recognize us. And then as we were leaving, I said, "Tell Tanner I said hello." I said, "I know that he won't remember me because I mean he has so many people coming in." She's right. like, "No, actually, he does remember you because you're the ones who did the podcast and on it." Oh, and that's I was so like, awesome! Hey, yes. Did he listen? 
yeah, I guess he listened. listened. He listened. Yeah. Remember she had, oh, that's awesome. she had sent his message or something and said like, he um, really appreciated hearing. Oh, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. Like how his heart work touches people and um, how much they enjoy it. So I was like, Oh, that's so awesome. So I left there feeling like all giddy and like, okay. A couple days later, after April and Austin left, um, it was Caitlin's last night here. So it was Friday. Okay. Friday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you want to do something before you leave? Like a fancy smanshi dinner or a carriage ride or something like that. She's like, yeah, I wouldn't mind a carriage ride. So we get, and we get on, we do a carriage ride and it was a really, really good, um, Person. I don't know what you call them. Horse the tears? No, I'm kidding. I don't know what the fuck they're called. Carriage? Like a mouse tear? Like what? Carriage master? Did they have horse ears on? Is it a mouse ears? Like, I, I don't, don't know. know. What the fuck? I don't know what they're Mouseketeer. called. But he, he was a really, really good, good narrator. His name was KJ mm-hmm. um, with Royal Carriages. And um, like he stopped. That's who and we let did his... the tour with, right? Royal Carriages. Yeah. I think we did yeah. With, yeah. It was a different um, person, though. And you and I did a different tour. This one was at night and it was called the History okay. and Haunts tour. Um, but he like pulled over and let us like get out and get daiquiris. And so I had, already had a drink and we've already talked about in the last couple episodes, how drinking with my medicine, yes. I'm like fucking stoned. Um, so I'm like, we get a daiquiri and we're having a good time. And he's taking us different places than I've ever been on any of the carriage rides I've done before. And I, I told him that I was like, that's really, you did a really good tour because we have done so many tours at this place yeah. like, I've always said I could do I could be a tour operator if I needed a job I said but you've actually taken us to some different places that other tours have not taken us and right. so that was very interesting like there was one that I want to look up um a story that because yeah, I might cover it I mean it's one I had not heard of here yet um so we were on the carriage ride and it's a great carriage ride it was a little longer than what I anticipated and I had to pee so bad yeah. And usually I'm not the one who has to pee. Usually it's somebody else, like my husband or my kids. So I'm yeah. like, oh my God. So we're coming up Royal and I'm looking at Robert. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to get off. I have to get off and go home because I cannot, I'm about to pee myself. So um, we pull over and he's talking. We had just done the Lollary Mansion and he, and we, he had pulled over. I'm like, KJ, I'm so sorry. I've got to get off. He's like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I, I just have to pee really bad in my house. It's uh-huh. closer than the end of the tour. So I've got to go. I'm sorry. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, no problem. So I get off and I'm walking like the, the fast walk. <laughs> like, you're, like when you're, when you're trying to exercise, but not fully jog, you're like, oh my God, my God, my right. God, my God. And I'm like, cause my house is still probably about 10 blocks. So, but I'm like, Oh my God. And I'm looking around because I know of some places in the quarter where you can pee. I know where some bathrooms are. So I'm looking to see, do I recognize any of these places of a place I've been in before? And I know where the bathroom is. Right. And I look in and then over to my left in the distance, few houses down shining like a beacon in the night with angels singing and light <laughs> coming from it was the Tanner Gallery. <gasps> and I looked down and the door is open. <gasps> oh my God. Oh my God. I said, oh my God. Oh my God, please. So I hit the, I get, get there and there's nobody in. I said, Lindsay, she's like, oh, hey. Like, I'm like, can I please ask you something? The biggest favor I've ever asked anyone since I moved here. And she goes, you have to use the bathroom, don't you? <laughs> yes, please. Can I please pee? So she's, yeah, sure. Right this way. And she takes me in the back and this little teeny, teeny, tiny bathroom. But I'm like, it was so awesome to know 
somebody. And I was just, like, <laughs> I love the Tanner Gallery for everything. So anyone visit. Can't Tanner, wait to come back when I come and visit. Yeah, make sure there, you go so. visit the Tanner Gallery and tell Lindsay that Belle from Gotham Bougie Podcast sent you to say hello because. Um, well, you will be with awesome. me. <laughs> anybody else that goes. Anybody yeah. else. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, that, that's my story of this shining beacon beacon in the night it was lovely I'm glad you guys had a good time so my week has been um good I mean I'm just I have so much going on more than usual because I leave Friday to head back to Dallas for the weekend so you're flying out Friday and coming back Sunday yes with David um uh I, I may switch it to Monday just because I'll tell you Mm. second why um so I texted you when we were out. So Friday night, we went out like on a date and stuff. We went to um, Thunder Tower Harley. It's a huge Harley dealership that's here. And they were having some like a festival thing there. It was so boring. There was nothing. Like it was so, I'm like, there's nothing going on. So we rode there. <laughs> then we rode and we ate at this place called Henry's, really great food in West Columbia. And then Jeff's like, let's go drink some more. I'm like, tell yeah. you. Like it's not like him. So I'm like, okay. If you I have insist. not drank that much since we've been here like, it was crazy. So we went to um, downtown Columbia. Um, it was a lot of fun. So we went to this place called Tin Roof, where I sent you the picture. I mm-hmm. swear to God, the singer of the band looked like fucking Billy Ray Cyrus. That was hilarious. <laughs> so of course, Belle and I always go back and forth bantering. So we're sitting there at our booth, and all of a sudden, like it started filling up. So more, it was definitely more my scene. Like mm-hmm. there was a dance floor, band <laughs> stuff. And I sent you this picture. Did I send you the video or the picture? Yes, both. The video. Yes. First, okay. you sent me the picture. And I'm like, what? What am I looking at? I don't. Yes. I couldn't tell what I was looking at. But then oh. the video. Like, <laughs> oh my god! So that's happening. So right this now. couple's like at the corner of our. We're at the end booth. There's like five booths like against the wall, and then and the, they're like high like wood on the backs of the booths okay y'all need a picture of this then in the front of our booth is like the little sound check thing and there's like a huge area a huge bar to the left and like a huge empty area so people could stand up and watch the band or stand and chit chat dance whatever and then the the band at the stage so at the corner uh, and Jeff and I are sitting on the same side like mm-hmm. we're sitting on the side where we can see the band right mm-hmm. the other side's empty so at the corner is like the high wood piece the back part of it they're standing there next to that they're probably in their mid fifties, early, like fifties, 60, mm-hmm. maybe. And we're sitting there. And of course I noticed it first, you know, <laughs> so I'm nudging Jeff. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to be loud. Cause they're like right there. I'm like, look, look. He's like, what? And I'm like, look. And he looks, he's like, what the fuck? He looks at me like, what the fuck? These people are literally making out. I'm not saying making out. I'm saying like. His hands are down her fu- his fu- her fucking pants. He pulls his hand out and smells his hands. So <laughs> <laughs> he unzips his pants. Her hands are in his pants. I'm like, were they attractive? Uh, no, Ew. not at all. No, not at all. No. <laughs> like I'm all about. I mean, if he did, they, yes, it might no. have been like a good show. No, like, this hey. was not a good show. This was not a good show at all. My eyes were burning. <laughs> <laughs> But it was like a donkey um, show. You couldn't look away, right? I can't. Look right. Away. It was very interesting. So yes, yeah, so, so that happened. Um, but I forgot to tell you guys. Oh, and then one more thing at Tin Roof when um these so 
their style here in South Carolina is nothing like our style in Texas. Of course, we always go like above and beyond. You know me when I go out, like I'm like extra, extra. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I like my over the knee boots, like a mini skirt, like super cute. They were just very basic, basic t-shirt and, uh, and jeans, like sundresses with like flat sandals where mm -hmm. I want like heels on and like, you know, looking mm -hmm. super cute. They weren't like that. But anyways, so we're sitting there at the booth and these I feel like that three a lot. Girls, Robert's always like you, you outdress me talking to me. And I'm like, well, I just have to. It's just me. It's just us. It's how we were raised in Texas. Yeah. yeah just, it's how you're raised. So these three girls, I saw them walk by. I'm like, they're, they're super cute. And Jeff goes, those are your people. I'm like, those are definitely my kind of people. Because one of them had this beautiful pink hair. So they went to the restroom. I had to go to the restroom too. So I'm like, let me just go pee. So I walk out while they're seeing their chit chatting and stuff. I'm like, do you listen to podcasts? So I started talking to them. I did not get their names. So girls, if you're listening, because they said they're going to listen. Bathroom girls. Thank you for listening. Bathroom girls. Um, super cute, sweet girls. They were off. They were from New York. So I was telling you, I just moved here from Dallas. We're like, oh, I bet that's, I bet Dallas is amazing. I'm like, yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. So anyway, so bathroom girls, if you're listening, thank you so i just had to <laughs> oh, say and I did, that i gave out a card too on the carriage ride oh look at and, you and let, let me let me also add when i came out of the tanner gallery i was able to get back on the carriage ride they were just coming up right there and so he pulled oh. over and i was like hey I the carriage. <laughs> did you show a little leg <laughs> so just get back on the but no um yeah, I gave them a, um, the other people who were on the carriage ride with us one of our cards. Oh, oh that's awesome. Look at me. Well, thank you for listening. You're listening. So I forgot to tell you a, a hilarious story that happened when we were on the motorcycle trip the weekend before, Memorial Day weekend. And I don't know how I forgot this because it's how our trip started. So we're going to North Carolina, right? Like it took us like three and a half hours to get there on the bike because we got all the back roads because they're the back road cruisers. You know, we don't take the right. service the roads or whatever. Road. I mean, the interstate so we're coming up behind so we're always in the back like I said so there's like five or six bikes in front of us and so Paul is one of Jeff's best friends he's the only single one in the group um so he pulls up and this little kid in the bus he has to maybe like sixth seventh eighth grade maybe young kid he takes both his fingers and flips Paul off <laughs> <laughs> and then Paul flips the kid off that is awesome. And I forgot to tell that story, but we just died laughing because I had to like do a double take. I'm like, did you seriously just flip this kid off? And she's like, he's like, well, they yeah. flipped me off. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, that's fucking funny. So anyways. that is funny. Um, so I just had to tell that funny story. But on a lighter note, I told Bill I was going to talk about this for a few minutes. <clears throat> so um, when I lived in Rowlett. This is not a lighter been, note. Well, I mean, no, I guess it's not a lighter note and a darker note. Um one of our neighbors, some of our neighbors, my kids grew up with her um, and their family, very sweet family, um, 20 years old, but on Monday, she committed suicide. So she was bipolar and she was in rehab for, for drug addiction, which a lot, of, a lot of times when they are bipolar, they do wind up getting these impulsivities and, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. get addicted. The addiction is usually worse when they get mm -hmm. addicted to stuff. And she just couldn't get off the drugs. Um, she didn't have a hard, hard life at home. She just was very, she suffered with depression. Um, going back to the mental health stuff, guys. I mean, we're here. Did she, and, she um, lived at home? She still lived at home? She lived at home. So with her parents, um, only child. She's an only child. Um, loved animals. Just a really sweet girl. She was, bully, she was, she was obese. Um, she gastric bypass. And I guess I just felt the connection to her because her mom always said, um, 
I mean, I, I'm just going to say her name because it's everyone knows like, her name's Clacy. Her mama, Polly always said, Clacy just looks up to you. She loves how you dress. She loves your pinup style because she always tried to dress pinup and stuff. Um, and after I had my gastric sleeve, um, she wound up having gastric sleeve as well because she saw like, oh my God, Mel lost all the weight. Like mm-hmm. I want to, I want to. <clears throat> do like I want to be healthy and you know mm-hmm. and um so she lost the she lost some weight um and she's a tall girl so like it was very proportionate but it's just a beautiful young lady and I just I, my heart just breaks for her family and I just hate that she was not able to get the help she needed her parents did everything they could so was so, it a drug overdose what happened um we're thinking it was drugs yeah did her parents I, find her yes I haven't asked I haven't asked mom I haven't asked Paul very much about what, how they found her. I texted her mom yesterday, you know, and told her my condolences. I'm so sorry. You know, if I was there, I'd give you a huge You heard hug. about it like roundabout on social media? Yeah, she had posted something mm-hmm. that her mm-hmm. daughter had, what I shared on Facebook. Oh, okay, yeah. And um, that's from her mom. And so I texted her mom immediately and, um, you know, and I just, and I went and looked at Clacy's, uh, like I went and looked at all of her social media stuff. Cause sometimes they will leave signs and stuff, but um no, no, no oftentimes it's not. It's, um, you don't, you have no idea. That's what we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. TikTok, with our struggles I mean, with, with mental health is that people often don't see past that layer. Oh, they know. Oh, yeah, that person struggled, has struggled with mental health. That person struggled with depression. So they, afterwards, people make you like you. She was bipolar. We, you know, people knew that right. she had some issues, but you just didn't realize how bad it was. When I, well, I mean, definitely on some of her social media, she did have, you could tell she was struggling and she was, she was thriving for attention. Yeah. Yeah. She was thriving and, and you, for you attention. You never can tell with those posts because there are some people that, um, they, they just always are posting stuff like back yeah. and forth, like, oh, I'm having such a bad day. I, you know, but they're. You know what I'm saying? I hate to say, I hate to make light of it, but they just, they'll, they'll post something really, really depressing. Then really, really happy. And there's really, there's nothing, not like that intensive stuff going on, like right. suicidal thoughts. So yeah, it just, so you it's can't just always really... tell. I mean, you, you right. see somebody posting something sad and then the next day they're posting something happy and you don't, you never know. It's just, yeah, it's just so sad. I just, I feel for her mom and dad. Cause I do know oh them my pers- God. very yeah, personally. No. And yeah, I know that. And I know that her parents did everything they possibly could to help her. Mm, they yeah. did everything in their power to try to help her. Everything. It's not like they were just like ignoring, like some it's people, some parents, yeah. some parents, like you're going to be fine, you know, just oh, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. her parents were not yeah. like that. They or disowned they, them because they're gay or, or exactly. Yeah. But they did everything they could in their power to help Clacy and Clacy just made that decision on her own. And you know, I mean, it's, it's just so sad. She's 20 years old. Um, she grew up with Caitlin from kindergarten all the way through high school. So um, so it was just a really sad, it's just really sad. And um, I've watched her grow up and I just, yeah. I hate that for her. So, but, um, if yeah, you guys that, are just struggling um, yeah. with that, we've said before, you know, we're not counselors by all means, mm-hmm. but if you just need to talk to somebody, we're here. Like we've struggled through some bells told you, I mean, like I've, Mm-hmm. I've been beaten up by an ex-boyfriend. I've been, you know, abused. I've been, I was married to a narcissist for 13 years. I've been, had a gun held you up can, my head. The, I've, you know, some people, you can struggle with mental health and not ever have anything like that happen. Exactly. You, and, and I think sometimes that's hard for people who are struggling with mental issues is they think, okay, 
I don't have it that bad. There's so many people who may have it worse than me. Right. You know, they don't want to, to put it out there because people belittle them. Like I told you, whenever I right. said, okay, I'm kind of struggling. They're like, oh yeah, well, you don't have it that bad. Well, that doesn't mean anything. You don't know. It's big. Whatever right. is happening in that person's life is your, big to them. Your feelings are valid and um, yes. what you're going through is valid. And we're definitely here. If you just want to talk, just want to message us. Like if you're feeling like if it's like two o'clock in the morning, I'm not saying we're going to like be there to answer you right then, but just mm-hmm. send us a message. And the next morning if we see it, we're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You're going through this. Like, you're going to talk, you know, let's talk. Um, but we're definitely there for you but also I mean there's a suicide hotline you can call as well and you can talk to someone anonymously if you're just struggling and it's um, 1-800-273-8255 so on average if anyone ever thinks that the world or their loved ones would be better off without them that is not it's not it's not true exactly that is Um, your brain lying to you yes um, but on average, there are 130 suicides per day. Oh. White males accounted for 69.38% of the suicides. Wow. So, but I mean, it's, yeah, just reach out to somebody. So, but we're going to talk about a serial killer now. So and this man was crazy, crazy, crazy. So we'll start talking about him and we'll take a quick break. Um, so <clears throat> we're going to Russia this week. Hmm. Some vodka, some vodka in <laughs> Russia. So it's Alexander Petrushkin. He is also known as the chessboard killer. Have you heard this story before? I don't think so. Because this man, so Eva that I work with, um, and Eva's going to become a patron today, she told me. So mm. thank you. Um, she gave me this story. She got a serial killer book and was telling about it. She's like, Ooh, do this one. I'm like, okay. So I started, I listened to several podcasts. Um, Rotten Mangoes was one of them. And this man was, yeah, so. I don't know if I've heard of him. I don't know. We'll have to. So he was born April 9th, 1974. So he's about our age. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. He lived in, he was raised and grew up, lived in Moscow his whole life in a small apartment in a public housing project area close to um, Bitska, Bitsivki Park. I cannot say this. Some of these words are like ridiculous, y'all. So Sounded good to me. Um, it was a huge park. And this park's going to come and play later on in the story when we get to it. The park, so Central Park is um, 843 acres, roughly. This park is 3,000 acres. Wow. I'm going to give you a reference. And Central Park is huge. I've been. It's huge. Um, his dad left before he turned one. Um, so he dealt with not really having a father figure in his life. Um, he had a sister his mom had when he um, when he was about seven she was born also didn't have a like the got pregnant out of wedlock and dad left as well sister left sister as well so he's a half sister um he is initially remembered to be a very sociable child um happy um showed normal like emotions like he had a cat that wound up passing away when he was young like two three four years old showed like he was sad never hurt animals never did anything hmm. like some of the emos they like that they show yeah yeah and that happened but when he was five he fell backwards off a swing and so he was sitting there his mom had turned around for a second as he's sitting there the swing came back and popped him in the forehead hmm. so we had that frontal cortex of his brain mm. had a brain yeah, had brain damage so they experts speculate that the event that that event damaged the frontal cortex of his brain um which da- oh, that okay. such damage is known to produce poor impulse regulation and a tendency towards aggression 
Um, since he was still a child, the damage would have been more severe as a child's forehead provides only a fraction of the protection for the brain. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's still the skull's growing. Uh-huh. But fun fact about this is that, did you know that uh, there are two other serial killers that have been hit by a swing when they were young? Really? In the head. That is interesting. No, I did not know that. Richard Ramirez and John Wayne Gacy. Oh, really? Yes. That is interesting. Yes. Yeah, so one in four serial killers. So watch your kids have... on the swing sets. Yes. Swings are dangerous. <laughs> yes. One in four serial killers have had front lobe um, injuries as a child. Hmm. So you got some fun facts for y'all. If y'all didn't know that. So following this accident, um, he while he started becoming very hostile and impulsive. So his mother soon decided, so he was in school. Um, his mom decided, you know, he's not doing good in school. He's getting bullied all the time. So she decided to take him out of like a public mainstream school that he was attending um, and put him in a school for kids with learning disabilities. The kid had no learning disabilities, but because he was being aggressive and because of getting hit in the head, she thought maybe he's having learning disabilities. No, the kid was a freaking genius, as most serial killers are. So prior to this transfer, children from the mainstream school were known to have physically and verbally um, bullied him. And they would refer to him as, and I hate this word because I feel like it's used out of context, but they would call him that retard. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, a, it's just not a nice word Mm-mm. at all. Um, so the abuse um, served to intensify his rage and hostility and make him very aggressive, which I can only, you're getting bullied. I mean, alone, you know, it's, it's yeah. just heartbreaking to watch kids get bullied. So upon receiving early, ad- uh, upon reaching early adolescence, um, his maternal grandfather um, recognized that how like intelligent this kid is. Like he's so freaking smart. Why is he in this damn school? There's no reason for him to be in this yeah. damn school. So he felt that his talent, his innate talents were being wasted at this school for special needs kids that he had no special needs, didn't need to be there. Um, so he wanted to get him, he wanted, um, and he wasn't as involved in any activities at home or at school. So he's like, I need to get him more focused on something so he can learn to focus, maybe not help mm-hmm. with his aggression, help him with. Yeah, his I mean, but he did have special needs. Clearly, it just was not a learning disability. Right. He it was just more social and, and exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Empathy and aggression. Yes. And yeah. Yes. If somebody had recognized that. Right. So they, well, the school he was in, they focused more on overcoming a disability that he didn't have instead of pr- promoting achievement. Yeah. And he needed, yeah. like learning, he they, needed, they yes, learning. Well, he yeah. needed that. Um, mm-hmm. What do you call it? He needed to, to show that he could achieve something. So he needed the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so his grandfather took him to live with him in his home and encouraged him to pursue intellectual pursuits outside of school. The, deep of the, the deepest of these interests was chess. So he started playing chess. Hence why he became the chessboard killer. Hmm. And it's, he didn't kill him with the chessboard. You're going to see what, how he did. Um, so he took him to live in his home, like I said, and um, he taught him how to play. And after demonstrating his ability, he realized, wow, he really does know how to play chess. Like he's picking up on this really fast. So he took him to the park and that was there by their house. And um, so they would sit around and play chess in the park. Like, I mean, if Central Park does it in China, they do it in the parks. There, they do it in the parks because it's all the older people that don't work. That's what they Mm do, play Mm -hmm. cards, whatever, Um, or dominoes, whatever. So he'd go play chess with these older men and he was beating them. 
So it turned out that he was an outstanding chess player. And for the first time, he found a channel for his aggression when dominating the chessboard in all of his games because he was winning all the time. So he continued to be bullied by mainstream school children throughout his adolescence because his grandfather moved him back to mainstream school. And he suffered an emotional blow when towards the end of this period, his grandfather died. So he's about 17 years old then. Um, He did wind up getting a dog as well after his grandfather died to kind of help you know, help with that emotional bond and stuff. Um, then his, do- his dog wound up passing away also, oh my God, like within no. like a year after his grandfather died. Mm. So he was left to return back to his mom's home after which he enrolled as a student. So at this time, his mom, his sister, and um, him now are living in this one, it's two bedrooms, but one of the bedrooms is made into the living room. So it's really just a one bedroom apartment, very tiny apartment in this housing project in Moscow. Um. So according to reports, the death of his grandfather greatly affected him, which I can only imagine because I've lost a grandfather and my dad, you lost your mom mm-hmm. and your family. You know, it's hard. It's very hard. And it's very, it's very hard. Um, in an effort to both dull the pain of the loss as well as to calm his severe aggression tendencies, he began to consume large quantities of vodka. No oh, right. Vodka. Well, in Russia, they already just drink a lot as it is. We've watched Anthony Bourdain and um, like all those food travel shows and like they have Mm -hmm. vodka with everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like definitely a Russian thing. Here's breakfast. Have a little. Have a vodka. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he continued to play chess both at home and in the exhibition games in the park. Now joining the other men in drinking vodka, though unlike them, he could play without being greatly affected by the alcohol for some reason it didn't affect them him hmm. like it did them it was at this time that he began to develop a more sinister hobby that at that time remained unknown to anyone whenever he knew he was going to come into contact with children he would take a video camera along and proceed to threaten them creepster yes on one disturbing and alarmingly uh, prophetic occasion that has since been made public he held a young child by one leg upside down and said to the camera, you are in my power now. I'm going to drop you from the window and you will fall 15 meters to your death. He then watched these videos repeatedly to reaffirm his power. He didn't drop Wait, the kid. so he recorded this. He didn't drop him, but he just recorded him threatening this little kid. Who was this kid? Just a random kid at the park. Oh my God. Yeah, and like in his building, apartment building. Mm-hmm. So by 1992, the practice had become insufficient to satisfy his urges. Yes. So none of the kids. I mean, nobody knew he was doing this at the time. Right. So we're we're at 1992 now. Okay. So we're in high, we're in high school. Mm-hmm. So he's like 18 mm-hmm. years old, 17, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So he lived with his mother, again, he lived with his mother, half sister and her husband now and their son in a two bedroom apartment on the fifth floor, which was a six minute walk from the park, from Betsivsky Park. So we can take a break now and come back. Wow. Yeah, this guy. And then we'll talk about all his killings. Okay. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, everybody. Hey y'all, Mel here from the Goth and Bougie podcast. Did you know that you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash goth and bougie podcast. The and is spelled out. You can sign up for different tiers. We have a $5, $10, and $25 tier um, that's per month. And you get special privileges and gifts depending on which tier you sign up for. 
We appreciate the support to help us make the best podcast out there. Thanks so much for your support. Welcome back. Hello, welcome back. Yes, welcome back. There's, but wait, there's more. <laughs> okay, wait. So I still have, uh, so he, these recordings came to light later. Right. Is what you're saying. Right. So nobody knew about the recordings. No, he was the only one watching them. So he was making these recordings and playing them back. So that, right. and at that time, it was like, a, at that time, it was a VHS video recorder. You know, 1992. He, at, at that time, he wasn't doing anything right to anyone it was threats and he was getting his gratification that way right because he liked the power that it right. made him feel like he had power he liked right. that because i guess it came it probably it most likely stemmed from him being bullied and he didn't have that power at school mm-hmm. so, I, so bullies usually bully and yeah. bullied usually bully because they don't know just like right. you know so okay. we're um he claimed to have committed uh where's it at let me go back up here. Okay, so on July 27th, 1992, he's 18 years old at this time. He committed his first murder. Hmm. He planned on killing people with a friend. So he told his friend, Mikhail Otachuk, hey, I'm going to go out and kill some people. Do you want to come with me? He's like, um, okay. Not like, so okay. <laughs> what do you he say? Thought he, was, he thought he was only joking, saying, hey, Gonna come out with me. Let's go find some people to kill. Well, yeah, because you think people are ki- are joking. Because I I'm, mean, I'm if we sure. said it, we'd be like, "Hey, let's go." Yeah, <laughs> I think I might kill people today. You so, know, where somebody cuts you off or pisses you off, and you know, I might look at you and be like, "I think today's a good day to kill somebody." Right. I mean, you're not fucking serious. Yeah. Oh, he was serious. <laughs> so when Oda Chuck realized that his classmate was being serious, he tried to back out of the situation course this made him very angry uh, Petrushkin struck his friend with a hammer and pushed his body into a well three days later he was questioned by the police about Odachuk's death there was some evidence pointing to his guilt but nothing ever came out of the investigation so you talk about a fucking corrupt police department the Moscow police during oh, this yeah. time That's I right cannot right. believe just wait <laughs> just wait there's more. Right. more so more. the guy he was talking to about killing someone he killed him right oh wow okay so he claimed to have committed murder um, later in 1992 uh, with his girlfriend, Olga, who had broken up with him and started dating his friend, Sergei. Um, Petrushkin disposed of his romantic rival by throwing him out a window. Mm. Sergei's death was declared to be a suicide. So on May 17th, so he didn't do anything from like 1992 to 2001. Like he mm. did nothing. I guess it scared him because it was questioned. I don't know. But on May 17th, 2001, which was not that long ago, mm-hmm. um, Petrushkin well, it was, was 20 the, years. Yeah, but I mean, still, us, it was like it's in the 2000s. Ago. I mean, <laughs> he was in, I mean, it feels like we were in high school, not that mm-hmm. long ago, too. Mm-hmm. So he was in the park playing chess with a man named um, Yevgeny Prenin. When the game ended, he invited Prenin to take a walk with him. Petrushkin, who used, um, who used to own the dog that he owned, he told him, hey, it's the anniversary of my dog's death and that he wanted to visit his grave. Did he want to come with him? So Pronin said, sure, I'll come with you. You know, he could tell he was sad. I'll go with you as like support, mental support. So they reached an isolated isolated spot in the park. Petrushkin then produced a bottle of vodka and offered him a drink, which he accepted. The two men drank a toast to the dog before Petrushkin suddenly bludgeoned Pronin and dumped his body into a nearby well. Wow. 
Yes. So when I say well, the wells go down to the sewage system below, Oh. which is huge, huge in Russia. So yes, it's not just like a well, like, right. Like, like that. What's the, yeah. yeah. It's not like a, what that monster girl comes out of like a well, <laughs> what's that movie? Monster girl. You know, the girl that comes out of the well and then she comes to the TV or something in that movie. I haven't the seen ring? it. Or the, ring, the, yes, the, ring. the ring. Yes. The ring. Okay. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so you're talking about like, not like a well on a farm. Right. This is like, like a well, like a in sewer. the park, a sewer, yeah. Yeah, like a sewage system well, but they call it a well. So in 2002, the body of a woman was found with metal stakes hammered into her brain as well. He later claimed he had murdered Olga, his ex-girlfriend, and that that corpse was her. However, this was not, has never been confirmed. So he murdered his girlfriend plus the guy he was with when he pushed him out the window. It wasn't confirmed that he killed his girlfriend or that body wasn't confirmed as hers. The body was found. They just didn't confirm the body and that you know that it was her oh. I don't yeah so um one of his other victim well so a few people survived survived him so Maria Ver, Ver, Vera Chivka I'm gonna try to say this V-I-R-I-C-H-E-V-A you guys can pronounce my room I can't talk today was one of the very few pe- lucky people to survive him on February 23rd 2002 he lured the pregnant saleswoman into Pitska mm. Park to the park and pushed her into the same well where most of his victims were disposed of. When she clung to the sides, he held her by the hair and smashed her head against the concrete um, walls repeatedly before she fell. He left, believing her to be dead. Be dead. Thank God she had survival skills because in the sewer system, there's currents and stuff that are you know, pipes opening yeah. stuff, pushing stuff. She took her clothes off. She took most of her clothes off. She said she took her jacket off. She took her boots off. <clears throat> and then she was able to get to a pipe that was, had, was empty and was able to climb out, find a metal, um, what do you call it, ladder and able to climb up to a manhole. Wow. So she was able to climb up to a manhole. So he pushed her in thinking she was dead. Yes, yeah. and she didn't have a miscarriage. The baby's alive oh, wow. still. Can you believe that? Um, so she reported the crime to the police. But when she went to the police and said, this is what's happened. So a lady helped her get out, wound up yeah. helping her. The people there, bystanders helped her get out. They wound up going to the police station and um, getting her there. And they called the police. She goes to the police station, tells them everything that happened. And they're like, well, let me see your papers. So apparently where she lived, where you live in Moscow, you have to have papers to live in that and work in that certain area. Even though it's all Russia, right. you have to have papers to work in that area. Well, she was working there illegally. So she was an illegal immigrant and have the papers. So they said, we don't want to deal with the paperwork. So you just, we're not going to, you can just continue going your way and we're just going to let this go. Wow. Okay. Yes. So another survivor was Mikhail. That's even if they believed her to begin with, because we've talked about how so many victims are not believed. Yes. But what you don't understand is she ran into him. (gasps) Yes. Oh my God. So, and he about shit himself. (laughs) Then he offered to take her back to the park and she politely declined. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So another survivor was Mikhail Lobov. He was a teenage skater. Wait, wait, does it say where she ran into him? I'm like, this just is- walking like in the street because they lived in the same neighborhood, like in the same apartment area in the and same He was like, line. oh, hey, are you okay? Yeah. I thought- <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine his face? Like double oh take. God. Oh my God, it's a ghost. Yes. 
So another survivor was Mikhail Lobov. He was a local, um, just a teenage skater, punk is what they call him, was a punk kid, um, like punk rocker type kid. Because during, the, in the, during that time, it was, you know, emo, I guess. And he was homeless. So um, after he was also led into the park as promise of cigarettes and vodka, he was struck over the head and pushed down the well as well. Thinking that he was dead, he left the scene. Um, luckily, he learn, I mean, the other chick. Right. Luckily, his leather jacket he had on got caught. Yes. It got caught on a piece of metal inside the well. So it saved him from plummeting into the freaking waters down there were freaking freezing cold because Russia gets cold. Mm -hmm. So he was able to climb out. Days later, he confronted him only to be threatened with arrest by the police. Yes. Because the police didn't believe him. They're like, he's like, this is the guy. This is what he did to me. He was going to kill me. This is what he did to me. And they're like, nah. You're just a homeless punk kid. Yep. You were, you know, you're always high all the time, whatever. So, yeah. So, November 15th, 2003, a neighbor, Konstantin Polikarpov, however y'all want to say, P-O-L-I-K-A-R-P-O-V, was invited for a drink right. in the park. And uh, Petrushkin uh, hit him with a hammer three times before throwing him into the well. Again, so, so he lesson, left. Lesson is do not accept a drink. So, so he was he always hit him with the hammer. He would just push him down in the well. He hit him with a hammer. There was a few, he actually took a vodka bottle and would shove it into the gaping hole after he hit him with the hammer. Oh my God. Yes. He was brutal, but he wasn't a sexual sadist. He never got off on the murders. He never, you know what I mean? Well, like he, he didn't rape anyone. By he did, people. but he didn't yeah. rape anyone. There was right. a necrophilia. Like he wasn't. Yes. <clears throat> so he just loved the power that it gave him to be able to kill these people. Mm-hmm. So um let's see where was i sorry sorry um so his body let's see where was i sorry guys i lost my place i actually was really i told bell i'm being professional today i actually tied my notes out and then if i can lose my place because i can't put my pen up there okay so (laughs) um so he bludgeoned him with a hammer three times before throwing him into the well Again, he left assuming that that victim was dead, but he successfully climbed out. He suffered severe head trauma, causing him to remember nothing about the attack. Oh, wow. So the police began to take the murders more seriously when a former policeman named Nikolai Zakharchanko turned up dead in the park. Because this time he just left his body laying out in the middle of the field. Well, because probably he feared no one's going to catch him because look at all the others. Yeah. There was a people who literally said this was the guy and nothing was done. So yeah. probably and he's getting he was above reproach. No one could. So now that. he's getting, well, now he's tight, like, just like the videos. It wound up being like, he'd watch the videos. It wound up being like, this does nothing for me anymore. Killing these people, pushing him down the well. And me being the only one that knows about these murders, nothing's doing that. It's not doing anything for me anymore. So now I'm going to leave the bodies out in the open, you know, let them see attention. Mm-hmm. So November 16th, 2005, his body had been left out in the open. This is the police officer. Mm-hmm. His body was left out in the open, being disposed of, um, uh, wait, where is it at? In the open. Oh, instead of being disposed of in the well. Presumably as a sort of challenge for the police, like you said, um, he had started to become cocky by leaving bodies out in plain sight, but he was still careful enough to avoid capture. Mm. The news was in a freaking frenzy in this neighborhood. He was watching with his sister, um, the news one of the news reports and she said out loud i cannot believe such a crazy person was killing people so close to our home hmm. he said nothing well of course not 
So he committed his final, and there was some like other murders throughout that, um, because there's so many of them. Um, he committed his final murder on June 14th, 2006. It was Marina Moskalyova. They worked at the same store where another woman, Larissa Kaliginia, who had worked at before, suddenly vanished, one of the people mm. he killed. She had been killed by Petrushkin, who was a co-worker on April 12th. Despite this, her strange disappearance did not He's seem to really phase. close to home, his co-worker. Right. It didn't seem to phase Moskova, um, assuming she was even aware of it. She took a walk. He said, hey, let's go for a walk to the park. You know, I want to show you my dog's buried. Same fucking story, sob story. So they took a walk um, in the park where he then struck her with a hammer in the head. But what he did not know is that shortly before going with him, she left a note for her son telling him where she was going and who she was going to be with. The note also contained his phone number. Mm. So the boy called um, Patrushkin, who told him That's that it's important to tell not someone seen, where you're going to be. He had not seen his mother. Put on your um, put on like where your your um, pin where you are, your mm-hmm. your location. Like I do that every time. Um, so he said, "I haven't seen her in months." They fucking work together. The boy's not stupid. Obviously suspicious, the boy informed his father about this, and then um, proceeded who proceeded to call the police because that wasn't like her. Mm-hmm. So another thing that Pushkin wasn't aware of is that um, in her clothing contained a metro ticket. Mm-hmm. So on CCTV footage from the station where she had bought the ticket was reviewed, and it showed him walking right beside her. Oh. Two days later, he was arrested. So one particular piece of evidence against him was the fact that he kept a chessboard has 64 Wait, squares. Wait, so that woman, he, he killed her? Yes. Okay. Yes. That was his final victim. That was his okay, final gotcha. victim. I'm there. So the chessboard had 64 squares on it, right? He had filled 62 of them with dates and names. Uh, hence why he's called the chessboard killer. 62 had been filled in, which was later lowered to 60 when he learned that two of his victims... Mm. Vercheva and Polikarpov had survived. Wow. Out of the alleged 60 murders, 48 were confirmed. According to him, he idolized Andrea uh, Chikotilo, who's another serial killer, committed horrific killings in Russia. Um, he was like the vampire of Russia, if I'm not mistaken. He um, killed young boys, so I'd like to cover him as well. That one sounds um, familiar. We may have covered yeah, that Yeah, it's one. A-N-D-R-E-I. C-H-I-K-A-T-I-L-O. That sounds familiar. Um, He stated that his goal was to surpass his idol's confirmed body count of 52 victims by murdering at least 64 people, representing the number of squares on a chessboard. He wouldn't have stopped, though. What was he going to do once he gets, he's going to magically stop? Just wait. Petushkin also said that even if he did reach 64 murders, he would kill more people unless he was stopped because he could always buy more chessboards. Flip it over. Do the other side. Yeah. On October 27th, Monopoly. Right. On October 27th, 2007, he was convicted of murder and attempted murder. He asked the Russian court to add more victims to his body count because he wanted wanted. to surpass the other serial killer and be the Mm. Russia's worst serial killer. Mm. So during his trial, he was kept in a glass cage for his own protection and for his attorney's protection because he said, I want to fillet him and gut him like a fish his attorney he was still fucking representing him wow (laughs) yes and i don't think it's right he shouldn't have been in a glass cage if they want to fucking kill this man let him fucking kill him sorry he said he would kill fast in the early afternoon so he could get home to watch his favorite tv show is one of the things he said the judge took an hour to read the verdict 
which was life imprisonment with the first 15 years to be spent in solitary confinement. Mm. As of now, um, so his mom was able to come visit for a little bit, and then she was no longer allowed to visit um, after a certain amount, after like five or six years. Um, he's still in solitary confinement. In 2016, a woman only known as Natalia visited him. She's no longer allowed to visit, but they actually wound up to wound up getting engaged and getting married. There were so many women that were after him. It's ridiculous. Mm, Yes. It's it's often. Mm -hmm. So he is spending his days in solitary confinement at the Arctic penal colony, Polar Owl. It's one of Russia's worst prisons. There's a cage inside the cell. Outside, yes. So they have like the concrete walls and inside that concrete walls is a cell inside that cell there is a bed there is a stone a, like a stool that's concrete that's it nothing else on the outside of each door of, is that's a picture prison. that's what i'm talking about he's there and the other serial killers actually there too on the outside of each door is a picture of the inmate so before the guards go in or whatever there's a picture of that inmate and it lists and a list of every single thing that person did. So those guards see that every time. So they have no remorse. So they're reminded. For those prisoners. Reminded, yeah. yes. Um, so they have no remorse. So ni- they're in this prison, 90 minutes a day, and they get out of the cage. But they're strapped down, face down, with a um, blindfold on, spun around awesome. with a guard dog beside them. So that way they have no clue how the prison is laid out. And it confuses them so they can't try to escape and get out. Um, from, 6 a.m. from 6 a.m. from 6 a.m. to we've read 10 entirely too many stories of these people getting off yes easy. yes um, from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. there's no lying on the bed they can sit on the floor or on the stone stool provided they have nothing to do no tv no books lights like are always it. on when lying down no covering of your face and no hands under the covers hmm. I like yes. it so this is some crazy shit that he said uh, during his trial For me, a life without murders is like a life without food for you. I felt like the father of all these people since it was I since it was I who opened the door for them to another world. A first killing is like your first love. You never forget it. For 500. Yes. For 500 days, I have been under arrest. And for all this time, you have all decided my fate. At one time, I alone decided the fate of 60 people. I alone was the judge and prosecutor and the executioner. I was God. I alone fulfilled all of your functions. He also said the most important thing was to take their lives. He said, I tried to collect their spirits, their souls. I felt no emotion when I killed them. I have lots of time to answer questions, but I'm very tired. My bed is not very comfortable. (laughs) You should not credit the police with catching me. I gave myself up. In my case, repentance is not just unnecessary, it is wrongful. I killed because I did not have any other choice. It was such a situation, there was no other way. The notions of good and evil are relative things, he said. He also said he wanted to make each murder as memorable as possible. Well, he didn't do that very good because they killed them all the same way. I'm just saying. I mean, making some memorable is, let me take a picture. Mm. It, It dawned upon me on that day that I would murder someone. I killed so I could live myself. You kill someone and immediately feel relieved. Your shoulders straighten up and you want to live. I have no regrets. So much strength and time would have been wasted. Do I regret? No, I don't. Almost all the guards admire me. 
They are banned from communicating to me, asking me questions. I hear how they talk among themselves. They say about me, he is the real thing. <laughs> and that is the story. Yes, yes. And that's the story of the chessboard killer, Alexander Petushkin. Wow, what a psycho man. I wonder if he's been like studied like with forensic pathology or anything. I mean, he's that. still alive. He's still in, you know, in solitary confinement. Um, Russia's, a, um, I imagine they might be a little different with like, he might. So they actually even don't more do of a grandiose attitude if somebody wanted yes. to study him. So, yes. And so um, during the trial, they, they quit doing the death penalty. And because of him, they actually were talking about bringing it back just for mm. him. Just for yeah. him? Oh, just no, for I him. like the punishment. I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely. definitely prison, uh, right. That is a prison and people would stop going to prison. I think if they had this kind of prison no all over the world. So absolutely. Um, so that's my story about the chessboard killer. Y'all he's crazy, man. Um, I'll post some pictures of him up on our Instagram this week, but I mean, he was a typical blonde headed Russian so he's still in prison right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as far as we know, no one's allowed to visit him right now because of no one is allowed reason. to visit him. His mom was able to visit him, I know, for a little bit, and she would bring him lard. I wonder lard why. Snacks, I, don't maybe, know. I don't know. Maybe he got too much pleasure out of it and they didn't like that. I guess. And that yeah. lady just, there's a story about the lady that he apparently married and was engaged. I've read two different things. They're married. They're not married. I don't know. Mm. Um, hearsay. But yeah, there's a story and there's a pictures that are all over. So if you look him up, his his lover or whatever i guess they're not really lovers because no lover. we don't see each other <laughs> <laughs> i mean his wannabe wife i don't know what she's called um you know obsessed uh, stalker like i don't know um but you can see she even has a tattoo of him on his arm on her arm wow like she's very obsessed with him um so yes she's blind watching her uh, i mean yeah. he was obsessed with the other serial killer I think she has a chessboard too. Yeah, to have a chessboard as well. They should be watching. So her. yeah. So, but that's my wow. story of the chessboard killer. So hopefully you guys like that. Interesting. So, yeah, I don't think I yes. had heard that one. That's a good one. Yes, it's just crazy, and um, he was crazy pants. So I, I just, oh yeah. So, yeah, very interesting. Mm. All right, guys. Um, next week is true crime. Yes. Mine. yeah so it'll be mm -hmm. bell's true crime um become a patron on patreon just like our little ad set and with the break and at patreon.com slash gotham bougie podcast you got the bell of course i have you the, the bell. Uh, you looked at me like what of course. i'm bell okay. with the bell <laughs> <Your bell. laughs> she's got jokes today people boom. <laughs> okay so go to our facebook instagram make sure you follow us um tell people about us tell tell everyone about us tell them tell everyone shout it from the mountains um yeah so i will pass out more cards yeah i'm, I'm almost gonna have to order some more i've almost passed all my all 50 of my um. nuts or 100 of my, <laughs> i don't know how many i have um anyways guys so make sure you go check us out become a patron on patreon i say it every damn time become a patron on patreon become a patron on patreon um yeah, so congratulations to all the graduates from high school mm -hmm. and college. Um, I know it's exciting. That's one of the things I'm going back for this weekend is, um, yes, Jesse, that sent you the message about New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Her daughter, Yesenia, is graduated Saxe High School. So hi, Yesenia. Congratulations. Oh, I need to respond to her. I'll see her on them. Sunday. So um, tourist information. I forgot. That's, I all, that's I all I got. Yeah. That's all I got. 
What else you got? Uh, that's all I got to you. Yeah. All you got? All yeah. right, guys. You ready? Oh One, my Jesus! Did I get two. To- this is like <laughs> I, I have. I have. I'm gonna have to take like an anxiety pill just about us sen- saying our fucking sign off. This okay. is entertaining to people. <laughs> ready? One, okay. two, three. Y'all come. Y'all back. come back now. You hear? Here. We were together. No, we weren't. <laughs> Bye, y'all.